Welcome to the Optimal You Podcast. This is pharmacist Steve Ersfeld. Grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Steve Ersfeld. Uh, this is episode one of the Optimal You Podcast. And today's guest is uh, Joe Champa. Joe Champa is a registered dietitian in Dickinson here. He's also a certified personal trainer and strength and conditioning coach. So Joe and I are going to visit a little bit about um, fasting and intermittent fasting, things like that, kind of kind of cover some of those areas. So Joe is at Elevate Gym. It's his own gym. Uh, for those older people in the audience, you would, his gym is in the old cheese factory over by the Paragon Bowl. So a uh, little reference point. So thanks, Joe, for joining the podcast today. Can you kind of, kind of fill in some of the gaps and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, um, awesome to be here. And uh, like you said, I'm uh, basically a nutrition and exercise guy. I've been doing it for over a decade now. And um, yeah, we recently opened a brick and mortar facility that happened to be a cheese factory. And I mean, our, our end goal is really to uh, to be a one-stop one shop, one shop for health. And, uh, I mean, currently we have a physical therapist. We have five trainers. We have a dietitian. We've got our own coffee brand. We're, we're just going for it right now. So, um, more importantly, though, i got three kids and, and a wife. And um, that's uh, kind of my major driver and motivation for all this stuff, honestly. So, yeah, so... That's, that's, that's awesome. Me. That's awesome. You guys got stuff going over there. Yeah, we're making we're, cheese on the side at all, or no, no cheese yet. No uh, cheese yet. No okay. cheese yet. To be determined. Yeah. To be determined. <laughs> well, we're gonna kind of dive in a little bit on uh, dieting, and uh, kind of wanted to talk just first of all. I I think keto dieting had been kind of a rage maybe four or five years ago, and I I don't know your take on that or or kind of kind of where that's at because I don't see as many people doing it and maybe maybe that's just our our practice but kind of kind of explain a little bit about keto and where, where we're at with that yeah so it definitely was the rage and and it definitely does help with extreme results up front um do I promote it yeah I do um and I guess before I even get into that, what is keto? Because some people might not even know what that is. Some people just think that it's it's a high-fat, low-carb diet, and that's that's entirely not true. Um, it's not like the Atkins diet. I mean, keto is, you know, you're attempting to get your body into ketosis, which you're you're going to end up producing ketone bodies, right? So um, because you don't have really any carbohydrates on board, so your body's got to figure out how to give myself some energy, and that's what that's where ketones happen. So how so, do I get there? So where do ketones come from? Um, it's a non-carbohydrate deal, right? So I think you could probably answer that better than I. Uh, from fat. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we're burning our fat. Yeah, right? that's exactly. A, that's a, that's the, the ticket there. Yeah, so... So that's and that's why the diet is the way it is, because I think you're taking in about five, maybe f about five percent carbohydrates and then you're 75 percent fat and then 15 or 20 percent protein. So it's extremely high fat, moderate protein and very minimal carbohydrate. 
So, so yeah, so you're, you're burning up. I mean, you have zero carbohydrate stores on board and, um, yeah, your idea is to use energy from fat, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, do I recommend it? And and the answer is yes, but not very often. And, and the reason is because there's such a big, there's such a big swing to get into ketosis. Your body really doesn't like it. There's things called the keto flu. And it's just, it's like a week period where you literally feel like you got the flu. So from my perspective, if, if you're going to do this to get ready for spring break and you're going to, you're going to do it, then you're going to let it rip out in spring break and eat whatever you want. I think that's a really bad idea and your body's not going to like it. So my, my protocol was you need to be on board for this. You got to commit to me, at least say that out loud that you're going to do it for at least three to six months. So just because of how how much of a toll your body takes to get in and out of ketosis. Um, but yeah, is it popular? It seems like not really. There's definitely still a lot of marketing with keto products, keto crackers, and all that kind of thing. But sure. yeah. Well, good. Nice overview. Um, next question. Is breakfast <laughs> the most important meal of the day? No. <laughs> uh I, you know, so I, I guess I didn't tell you that I teach part-time, but that's every, when I ask that question to all my students, the answer is yes. Well, of course it is because that's what we were taught. That's what we were conditioned to think. And you know what? There are studies out there that, that say that breakfast is in fact the most important meal of the day. However, when you look into the study, it's people, basically health, healthy people tend to eat breakfast. That's great. So I always correlate it to this. And um, I eat ice cream in the summer. There are also a lot of people who... You eat, you eat ice cream in the summer? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, I like an Oreo McFlurry. That's, right. that's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, so I eat ice cream. I have an Oreo McFlurry in the summer. And people... Every eat, day? Every day. <laughs> so uh, people who eat Oreo McFlurries in the summer also tend to die so therefore if i eat an oreo mcflurry i'm going to die in the summer so it's a correlated study and and really like that makes zero sense right um so do are there trends where healthy people tend to eat breakfast and they're healthier people absolutely are there a ton of people who don't eat breakfast and are still healthy absolutely um so I think it really just depends on the person. We're not, me and you are different people. Everybody, you know, a 100-pound female versus a 300-pound male is probably a little bit different. So I think we should treat them accordingly. So so kind of individualizing it to, to the patient and kind of working with them and figuring out what they, what they need. Yeah, what a concept, huh? Yeah. Like give them exactly what they need for their body. And exactly. And sounds crazy. That. But that, that's, why we, that's why we need you to yeah. help us out. So. Um, we're going to dive into a little bit of uh, fasting and fast mimicking diet. So, you know, when we think about fasting, a uh, simple term would just be calorie restriction, not eating. Um, I, if, we, if we look back historically, I mean, we can go back, you know, thousands of years. Uh, fasting has been a part of religious um, uh, beliefs or, beliefs, or yeah, part yeah thank you yeah thank you lost that word religious beliefs <laughs> <laughs> um so 
it's it's not like it's new to us, but it seems like you know that's the that's kind of the next thing. There was keto, now we're on to fasting or intermittent fasting. So, kind of kind of talk a little bit about fasting and your take on that. So this is just straight ca- calorie restriction or not eating. Yeah, um, I think there's definitely a time and a place for fasting if we're talking about long periods of time. So, so the idea of fasting can definitely produce a lot of benefits. Um, however, there's definitely some things that I look out for. Um, but yeah, am I a proponent of fasting? Yes, I am. It's just a matter of kind of what that looks like. And I think we'll talk further on what I've seen and kind of what to look out for if, you know, like, hey, they're talking about fasting on this today. Uh, maybe I want to try it. Well, okay but just kind of beware there's there's a few things at least from my perspective that that i would say hey you need to look at this prior to doing this just to just so you're aware okay um you know some of the some of the information or the possible benefits that can come out of fasting and that's just once again you know whether you're doing a 24-hour fast or a 48 or a three-day fast or something longer than that um more weight loss, obviously. If you're not eating, you're, you're, the, the, the potential for weight, losing weight is going to be benefit. Um, increased insulin sensitivity. Um, lower levels of ghrelin, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, slows the aging process. And increasing a, uh, human growth hormone, which is huge. And then autophagy, which is basically our cells as they go through a life cycle and they die... Um, they're left with, you know, parts of the parts of the cell hanging around there, and autophagy is basically cleaning out uh, that that leftover matter from the cells. So there's definitely some benefit um, going into doing a fast. So, and I'll I'll tell you about my three-day fast and where I'm at with that. But so fast mimicking diets, fast mimicking diets are tricking our brains into believing that we're fasting, yet we're still going to eat. And I think that's where kind of the, the next level of dieting has come into. So experience with intermittent fasting, what, what are you telling your patients with that? Yeah, um, intermittent fasting, I think it's a great tool. And um, uh, if I am going to recommend it, it's a 16-8 um, ratio, I guess. So, so basically you're fasting for 16 hours and you're eating your eating window or feeding windows for eight hours. Um, so what does that really look like? And it's typically for people who just don't like to eat breakfast. I mean, their eating window then as they wake up, but they eat, they basically have lunch. They eat from 12 to 8 p.m. That's their feeding window. Otherwise, they're not eating. Um, so, so it's really effective for people who don't like to eat breakfast. And, and a lot of people, it seems like they just, I don't feel like it. I'm sick. And then, um, you know, I just, I don't know. So it works out good. Like I eat lunch and I'm ready to go. So what happens in that, why 16 hours? What happens in that 16 hour time period? Um, so really is you're, you're giving your gut some time to, to reset i i feel like because uh if we get into like when when people are in the hospital for example we'll tend not to give them at least when i was a clinical dietitian um we'll tend just not to give them food because 
you know, your gut's pissed off, digestion processes, and you know, a lot of different things are occurring. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it's just nice to kind of get that. It's almost like the, that cell cleaning happen, probably doesn't happen at that level, um, but it definitely is helpful. Um, but also, I mean, you're ultimately not having any food or carbohydrates or anything like that. So therefore, you're getting some of those perceived benefits like that you just talked about. Um, so, so tricking our tricking our body into doing a big fast without having to do it—that's kind of kind of the basis of what intermittent fasting, kind of or fast mimicking diets are, are trying to do. Correct? Yeah, yeah, and, and honestly, a big reason why I chose or, or typically stick with this sixteen eight hour fast is because or sixteen eight hour intermittent fasting is because it's actually one of the most researched types of intermittent fasting. Okay. So for me. Uh, my perspective is I need some some evidence and mm -hmm. also I, I have the experience with it too so that's that's where I stick with that and then I'm also not um, as in-depth as some some practitioners to where they are definitely constantly checking in with their people who are doing these one two and three day fasts which um, I don't do that so so sure. I'm definitely uh I don't want to say the safer option, but uh, that's just the one that, that I choose to do and um, have had some good results and some not so good results. Okay. How about um, the 23-hour fast? Yeah, so formerly known as the, the OMAD diet, um, which uh, is one meal a day, right? Um, that That's actually really popular, and, and um, especially for people who don't have a lot of time to eat and just you know they go home and i haven't eaten all day and they just have one big supper um there and like once again the fasting part of it especially that insulin sensitivity seems as though that one's a very big deal to where people adjust really good just to that one meal a day um and uh what else on that one um oh and just the ability for your body like the body's crazy on how it works because Normally, you can typically absorb and utilize, like we'll just say in general, 30 grams of protein at one time. Well, these people that are having are on these OMAD diets or these 23-hour fasts actually tend to uptake a lot more protein than that 30 grams because they're actually eating quite a bit of food and their body understands, like, I need to take in as much as I possibly can. So it's it's pretty crazy on, on some of that stuff, but... Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, though, um, the this the fat the intermittent fasting, this OMAD thing, it, it's truly not not for me, or at least I don't really enjoy it. So, <laughs> but do I recommend it? Yeah, some people get really good results and they love it. Yeah. Um, so, so so my take on uh, so I I like to experiment. You know, I'm kind of like like to if I'm going to tell somebody to try and do something, I want to make sure and do it before I before I tell them, you know, you should really give this a try. Mm -hmm. So the three-day water-only fast. So I tried that um, middle of summer, made it 48 hours. I had a bunch of work to do on the weekend. I'm like, oh, there's no way am I going to be able to, you know, kick out another 24 hours. So then I, so then I did it um, after Labor Day. My wife was out of town. And really the impetus for this is that I didn't have to cook. So I, I did the 72 hour, got through it, not a problem. First day kind of tough. 
um, but after that, uh, it kind of seems like your body starts to get in a rhythm, and you you know you do still get the hunger pangs. So that's kind of a a Graylin issue. Yeah. Um, so I I I think it's you know if if you're curious and want to try something and you want the challenge of it, because I like like the challenge too. Mm-hmm. I, I I found that to be kind of fun. So what about I mean we're just talking in general but if somebody's on a different kind of medication or something like that that's a whole different story right oh completely so any just by the way as a disclaimer none of this is is medical information you you know people need to to work with their practitioner to 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 find out if this is going to be right for them so just so people aren't you know going out and doing a three-day water only fast on their own especially if they're on a bunch of medications not probably a good idea for you so yes so correct i mean if people are you know you, you need to be monitored uh to make sure that things are going to go okay for them so mm-hmm. um how about like uh have you heard the five two fasting like you only need to fast like two days a week to get the benefit of that um honestly i don't <clears throat> excuse me i don't know a lot about it as okay. far as that goes but okay. i'm still on the point where i think fasting is a good thing and in general um if you're my general part of this one is we'll talk about the the hunger hormones but in general if you tend to do better in fasting and you don't overeat after your fast i think fasting is a very amazing tool unfortunately a lot of people will tend to overeat like they'll fast throughout the week and then on a friday saturday it's like well it gets pizza and beer again (laughs) And it's like it just really just kind of completely defeats the purpose because once again, like we talked about that OMAD diet to where your body is is adjusting and then it's also going to be looking for something. So it's going to I would say it's going to tend to absorb a lot more when you break that fast because it's it's been starving. So therefore, if you fill it with alcohol and a bunch of other stuff, willing to bet that's probably not very good. I, I concur with that. So we, we don't really don't want to get ourselves in that yo-yo situation of up and down and up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you mentioned uh, the, the hunger hormones. So uh, leptin, ghrelin. Um, talk about that a little bit of, and, and where you stand with that. Yeah, so, so that's really the major indicator for me in, in fasting is, is how that works as far as the hunger hormones go. excuse me um so so for me personally i tend to when i'm in my feeding window when i've done this before i tend to just engorge myself with food and i eat a lot of food and it just doesn't seem like i can really kind of come out of it and i have i really have an issue with hunger hormones maybe i gotta do the three-day fast but um so for people that don't have that issue and their window is pretty easy I, I think it's huge, but at the end of the day, we're still talking about 2,000 calories being 2,000 calories. So if I, if I intermittent fast and eat 3,000 calories, and when I don't intermittent fast, I eat 2,000, it's still 1,000 calories more at the end of the sure. day. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as the hunger hormones goes, those definitely got to be in check. So um, those can actually be improved right yeah excuse me so so when we think about so ghrelin uh ghrelin is what's going to kick up let's say you eat breakfast at eight o'clock 
not that it's the most important meal of the day, but let's say you do eat breakfast at 8 o'clock. 10 o'clock, you start to get hunger, hungry, and that's the ghrelin kicking in, correct? So it kicks in, and then if you can, you either are going to eat to stuff it back, or you're going to gut it out to try and get over that hump, because eventually it's going to taper off. It's almost like a roller coaster throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So if we can, you know, I what I've heard or been told is that if you can if you can get through it for 20 minutes eventually that's going to subside mm-hmm. um, leptin on the other hand is kind of crazy because that's that's more based on our satiety or, or how do, do we feel satisfied with what we've eaten mm-hmm. and and if we look at um, where does it come from it comes from fat cells so, so the more fat you have the more leptin that you have so leptin would keep it in check, keep that satiety in check in your brain. But leptin also kind of acts a little bit like insulin and the receptors in our brain, if there's too much leptin, so now you, you've got too much fat on your frame, too much leptin, all of a sudden those receptors are gonna shut down. You're not gonna be feeling satisfied and then you're gonna wanna eat more and more. Mm-hmm. Is that? kind of your take on that yeah yeah it's definitely um those two those two things are a big deal and like you had said like you said it's about a 20 minute period so even some some easy like take-home tips for me is when people feel hungry i usually will have them drink water prior to or even if they are feeling hungry just drink some water and see how that see how you feel and a lot of the time they're they're actually feeling quite a bit better and tend to eat less. And it's just kind of one of those, like, if you're looking, if you tend to overeat in general, that's just a, like a quick tip to where, like, maybe just drink a little bit of water and see how you feel. Or, I mean, I know we're talking about fasting, or maybe you start with eating a salad or some vegetables and and just see how truly hungry you are and then go to your main course. Um, yep. Anyway, a little off topic, but just... Yeah, no couple couple tips that have seen very useful and help out a lot so that way we can people can feel more satisfied and and really determine am i how hungry am i as my stomach's growling right now as i'm <laughs> intermittent fasting not eating until noon um that's kind of interesting <laughs> um so uh kind of tight kind of to, to wrap things up a little bit so what what is your favorite diet or food plan that you recommend across the board you know because when we look at dieting um and or meal planning what's sustainable what can we do for long periods of time what's been proven to be effective over that time period yeah so so the political answer is really the one that works best for you um i mean that's great Mm -hmm. however if we're getting into a more of a researched more like in general population this is what what i recommend it's honestly more of like a mediterranean diet to where you're eating i mean or even like a paleo diet kind of a combination of that so mediterranean i mean it you you tend to eat leaner meats but then like so just just cleaner um less processed food actually that's my answer versus like even combining those two if you eat food that is less processed, meaning like not in a box or frozen and it doesn't even have a nutrition label, 
that would be that would be my suggestion. However, that's pretty hard to for a lot of people to do, um, just because life's busy. Right. Um, so that's where, like, like I said, the Mediterranean paleo. Paleo is just eating things that a caveman would eat, right? So any kind of meats, berries, nuts, vegetables, sure. and fruits. Yeah. So um, typically, that's one of the most sustainable. Because, like, if we talk to keto, talk about keto, you can't eat fifteen crackers. Like, it, you're, you're gonna, it's not gonna work. Most people can't do that, or avoid rice, or you know, things like that. Yeah. Um. But well, uh, this is uh, these are the great, great topics, but great lead-ins to other topics. Yeah, definitely. You know, gluten-free things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, Joel, thanks for your time. Uh, I, I enjoyed the conversation. I hope uh, our listeners um, enjoyed it as well. So, until next time, be vigilant about your health. As always, be vigilant about your health.